There we go. All right, so. All right, everybody, welcome to the Multiverse of Marvel podcast, where each week or whenever I decide to record, our resident Marvel guys, Aaron and Dan Grindley, and I always point like you're like right here still, and we'll dive into the crazy corner of the ever-expanding Marvel multiverse to see which topic we're discussing this week, and uh, this week it will be talking about uh, the Thunderbolts. Yeah, Thunderbolts. Yes, but uh, I think uh, before uh, we got into that, though, uh, I think what was it like uh, last weekend was uh, D23 or? Yeah, I believe it was last weekend. Yeah, we were camping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so there was like a few uh, Marvel things uh, that dropped there. So I figured we should kind of just fly over those a little bit before we get into uh, the the topic of the, uh, the week. So as uh, so, uh, so I think one of the things was uh, Fantastic Four was actually like announced. Yeah, they finally officially announced it. And who's yeah. directing it? Yeah, it is uh, the director of uh, at least, at least some of One Division, if not all of it. Uh, Matt uh, Shakeman. Shakeman. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so it would be uh, it would be taken over that. So there's they didn't really tell say anything other than that. It's happening. Well, they're probably holding some stuff back because next month we have the New York Comic Con. Oh yeah, oh, and yeah, you know they, right. there's always got to be some sort of announcement for the New York Comic Con, so they always okay. seem to hold something back for that. Yeah, I keep on always forgetting that's in October, but like one of one of these years, I'm gonna get my passport and actually like go down and do that because now that I actually have a job where I can actually afford to do stuff. Yeah, you need to actually go to one of the good cons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like, well, not that. Uh, well, not that we don't have good cons here. It's just not but, the big con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's big for canada but yeah it's not like the it's not yeah it's not like uh san diego or New York. No, definitely but, not. but uh, yeah because it's like what the third biggest in north america i think or third or fourth i believe so there, there's it's, like, it's, it's up there. there yeah so uh, if if uh, if the uh mexico city one hasn't uh, overtaken us yeah it should, we should be like third biggest i think yeah so yeah so but yeah one of these years we're gonna make it down the air so yeah so probably something like that so uh so what do you think is uh john krasinski going to be like uh like mainstream uh, uh Mr. i don't Fantastic? think so no, yeah, yeah, i don't probably, think so yeah so that's, that's probably yes yeah, like uh, yeah just for uh, like fan service for the that, that's that's what feige was saying that it was fan service and the fact of they want to cast these guys and have them play these characters for years. And yeah. I mean, John Krasinski's in his forties. There's like no guarantee that he's going to want to stick with a role like that. Yeah, and shit. on top of that, you have to cast everybody else around him. So then they have an older set of heroes and again, you, you got to worry about who wants to stick around long-term at that point. Right. Yeah. But is, but he's like a dad and stuff. Like, couldn't he be like old too though? He could be, but I mean, Reed's not supposed to be that much older than everybody with him apart from uh, uh, Johnny. Because, uh, I mean, he and Ben are supposed to be the same age. 
Okay. Yeah, because they they you know they some continuities that grew up together, some other other continuities they they went to school together, um, university, uh, yeah, university, like, like friendly rivals sort of thing. Or no, something. no, like they actually no. got along great because uh you know like Reed was the super science guy and uh you know whenever he, someone would try to pick on him, well then suddenly Ben Grimm would show up. Ben Grimm was the oh, big okay. jock who you know had oh, needed help with work, so Ben okay. Grimm would help him or get help from Reed Richards. I mean, sorry. There you go. Yeah. But I got a feeling they're going to cast younger and try to go because, you know, with the Marvel stuff, they haven't really been going for huge, huge names a lot of the time. They try to find someone who's on the up and up who, you know, has enough of a name that you recognize them, but not enough that they're a huge star. Yeah. With the exception of like, you know, Scarlett Johansson and a few others like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that'd be interesting. Yeah. So, like, uh, so uh, probably like maybe like what, like 2000, uh, 24, 25, probably when we'll see that movie, I think probably. probably. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, the next is uh, Ironheart, uh, Rui Williams. Yeah, I think uh, we saw her in the uh, Wakanda trailer, right? Yep, the, yep, she's yeah, supposed to first appear in that. Yeah, so like, yeah, so that would be like, uh, she'll be kind of like because she's the one that like kind of makes her own like Iron Man. Yep, she does her own sort of Iron Man armor because she's like, that that level like, of intelligence where she's you know Stark just, smart, but she doesn't do the same sort of stupid things Stark does. Yeah, she's like, hey, I could do that sort of thing and does her own yep yep nice. and uh the hood's gonna show up in that show i guess he's gonna be her friend at first and then i assume will become the villain later uh, and who's that he is Parker a robbins yep let aaron take over this one sorry oh oh yeah no the um sorry no. the hood was one of uh the uh characters uh just kind of thrown out there in the early 2000s it was a mini series by brian k vaughn and uh kyle hotz uh six issues um kind of the anti peter parker uh parker robbins grew up the son of uh a low level uh, thug um his dad had actually like seen a couple of superhero battles as a kid parker had watched like the televised battle between uh, daredevil and bullseye that had happened oh, that's so where, like that's, no, that's where like uh he calls Daredevil or whatever? Or, no, no, no. This is long before then. Oh, okay. This oh, is, so, this oh, is okay, something so, happened back like in the 70s. Oh, okay, yeah. So it was just like a big old fucking... Yeah, one of the... To the one of Bullseye's plots to take out Daredevil involved like, you know, some sort of televised event. So their fight was broadcast for God knows how many people to see. But, you know, Parker, he's, he's a criminal, like 19-year-old kid or something. But he's he's got a certain amount of respect for the superheroes, at least in the original miniseries. Um, when trying to find a good heist, they end up finding a Nascenti demon, um, something that's been mentioned before, I think, in Runaways uh, and in uh, Doctor Strange. Something Brian K. Vaughn likes to drop into bits of things that he does here and there in the Marvel Universe, just to kind of tie things together. Uh, but he, he kills this demon just straight up shoots it dead and not wanting to leave this heist empty-handed he takes its boots and cloak and in escaping from another group of thugs he ends up putting on the uh the demonic boots and finds that he can walk on air and then when he puts on the cloak circumstances end up revealing to him that if he holds his breath he can turn invisible so he, he in the original miniseries he goes about trying to correct the mistakes he's made that have gotten him into trouble with a mid-tier crime boss. Uh, somebody who can boss around a lot of the, uh, the Spider-Man type uh, super-powered criminals, but not somebody so high up that he'd be like, 
you know, telling Kingpin what to do. But at the end of it, it leaves a big question mark as to whether or not Parker could become a hero or a villain. And then a few years later, like nothing's happened. But it was Joe Casada who had the initiative for it, if I recall correctly. But one of the higher ups at Marvel has uh, points out like, hey, we've we've got a bunch of these like fairly recently created characters that we're just kind of falling by the wayside. Like we should be doing more with them. And that's when like the century became a part of the Avengers and Parker Robbins popped back up to fill the uh, power voids left in. Uh, when did he take over? Was it, it was before siege uh, before secret invasion. Dan, do you remember when he took over the criminal syndicates? Uh... Was it civil war? I don't think it happened in Civil War, but shortly after Civil shortly War, after I that, think that yeah. was one of the big things that happened to that Bendis run of New Avengers was all that started that. Yeah, because there there was this power vacuum where there was nobody really aligning and directing the various superhuman criminals. So Parker Robbins stepped up to do the job and actually did a surprisingly good job of it. Um, things continue with him the nature of his demonic powers how they keep progressing like he doesn't need to use the boots after a while he doesn't need to hold his breath to turn invisible like these powers just keep working with him and other freaky shit happens too as uh, and he's uh, going to be shown up in the show yeah they've already shown they've already cast him and you've already seen him in like some um still pictures nice you know nice. it's, it's distinctly him because he's wearing a red cloak with a big red hood on it yes Nice, nice. So yeah, so uh, do uh, do we know when that's coming out? Or honestly, I'm not 100 percent sure. I think a lot uh, of the stuff they say is just 2023 or 2024. Late 2023 is what uh, I'm looking at here. All right. Yeah, so yeah, so that'll be out sometime next year. Yeah. And then after that is uh, the Captain America New World Order, and uh, and, they're, and they're saying that uh, the leaders could be uh, coming back. Yep. Yep. I'm excited that for that. For, from the yeah. uh, from been waiting the, for uh, that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you kind of uh, they were kind of ignoring the the uh, Incredible Hulk move after that came out really. So let's. Um, I'm sure some. Well, they acknowledged a few things, right? I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah. So like. Uh, I, I did. So, I did like the She-Hulk line of uh, Hulk saying that he is literally a different person now. Yeah. 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 yeah and I, I just, I think I've, I just still need to watch uh, last week's episode still. But yeah, but like I'm, I'm almost caught up with that. Yeah. It's been fun. It's it's, it's it's, our Thursday morning show. Me and my daughter. I wake her up early before school, and we go watch She Hulk. Yeah, no, like, like that. Being on Thursday, I think is throwing me off. Yeah, having a new day, a new new show on that day is a little off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll admit, I've woken up a couple times on Wednesday, went to put it on, couldn't find the new episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it makes you feel like a kid again, having like a weekly show to look forward to. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I've had. yeah, so that, that's what I've been messing with, like uh, with like Netflix and stuff, and they just drop like everything. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stuff. So yeah, so then then uh, so that is coming out. I think uh, yeah, May third, uh, twenty twenty four. So yeah, so we got like two years, or just uh, just uh, just under two years for that to come out. Still, then after that is uh, Werewolf by Night. Yeah, which I think we've that one comes out this uh, Halloween, I believe. It comes Ooh. out in like a month. I nice. said, yeah, because we've uh, talked about this before, yeah. right? Because I, it's, but then it's, now, now that we've seen the trailer, we've seen that you know we're getting a bunch of other characters we didn't know about. You know, Man Thing, Man Thing's going to be in there. Uh, is, uh, is this where uh, Blade came from, or is that where, where, no, where, where who came, who came from this or somewhere else? 
character wise who yeah. spawned Moon Knight came from Werewolf by Moon Night. Night. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, that, that's it. Yeah. So there, there are people thinking that there's a possibility maybe Moon Knight might show up, but I'm not necessarily holding my breath. Okay, okay yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think it's a better chance than others because. Mephisto. No, no. <laughs> but from man, a publishing standpoint, thing. Marvel's always tried to at times push uh, Moon Knight as being more of like a supernatural themed character. And this is the sort of thing that would actually help encourage that viewpoint. So could happen. Could happen, I think. Yeah, it says, yeah, October 7th. Yeah, so like, mm. you know. Coming right up. Couple yeah, weeks. Couple, did uh, did you watch that trailer yet, Eric? No, I haven't had a chance to yet. I'm, I'm fairly certain that you, like Simon Garth is in the trailer too, and it looks exactly like Simon Garth. And Got who, the amulet yeah. of Dambala around his Well, neck. It, it looks like it's an animatronic. But and, like it, uh, it, quick, it looks like they did like an animatronic for the zombie, possibly. You so should watch I, the trailer and see yeah, when we're done this. Quick little yeah, should, yeah. Yeah, quick little who's that? Um Oh Simon Garth, he is the Marvel zombie. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's just he's, he's, the zombie. He he's uh, from an anthology book that Stan was writing back in the fifties. Uh, I think it was um, Menace that uh, the uh, original Tales of the Zombie story showed up in. But in it, businessman Simon Garth stands up to his shitty groundskeeper and ends up killed for his troubles. And the shitty groundskeeper enslaves uh, Simon Garth's corpse to become his slave. And this is all fine for the shitty groundskeeper until he sends the zombie after the beautiful local girl who keeps uh, rebuffing his advances. The zombie storms up to this girl to snap her neck, and it's his daughter. The hold is broken. He goes back and snaps, snaps the neck of the shitty groundskeeper. That was the story. That was it. Uh, but then in the 70s, when Marvel expands all their horror stuff and they start doing more of the magazine stuff, Tales of the Zombie was revived as an ongoing serial there. Uh, they adjusted the artwork a little bit, you know, made the hairstyles a little bit more 70s-ish and published the original short story as the first installment of an ongoing serial where the amulet of Dambala, which controls Simon Garth, uh, following the murder of the shitty groundskeeper, a, that amulet goes from hand to hand to hand to hand, and people use the amulet and Simon to varying levels of responsibility. Uh, there is a happy ending to the story. Simon is laid to rest. Uh, the original magazine ends with, like, oh, stories to be continued, but that didn't happen until, like, the early 90s with uh, Daredevil. There, there was a one-off story in the 80s, which has some really great artwork uh, somewhere in uh, Bizarre Adventures, but it doesn't fit in continuity. Like there's a, a strong uh, chain of continuity from who has the amulet uh, from event to event to event. And this 180 story tries to shoehorn something in that doesn't fit anywhere. Still a great story, but yeah, it's not until uh, Calypso, um, Craven's uh, ex-lover, uh, Sometime for okay. Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah, she, she's trying to mess around with Daredevil. She's playing around with blood she took from the uh, Infinity Wars doppelganger. Um, yeah, that, that's a whole fun story there. Um, but yeah, there's, there is a literal Marvel zombie wandering around the Marvel Universe. All right. Yeah. So that. Uh, yeah. So that comes out uh, October seventh. So in a couple of weeks. So that would be good. And uh, do we know how many uh, episodes that's going to be? It's just. I think it's just a special. I think it's just the one oh, episode. Seems like it's a one-shot special. Oh, yeah. nice. Uh, all right. I so like that then, idea. 
And that'd be good, yeah. So then after that, uh, uh, is a Secret Invasion. That one uh, I'm excited for. That one, uh, yeah, so that one's got like, a lot of potential. Yeah, be so Oh, like, you got to imagine the betrayal that uh, Fury's got to be feeling if uh, the Skrulls are just outright trying to take over. Well, that's the thing, though. When you, from looking at the trailer, it looks like the Skrulls don't even know this themselves because Talos looks shocked this is happening as well. Well, also, when you consider that uh, Talos is, I'm pretty sure, a bad guy straight up in the comics. Yep. He, he's, no, it, if it, I remember it correctly, show, he's the one who can't shapeshift, right? I honestly, I can't Talos remember. the Tamer. There, there's one that just can't shapeshift and relies on like typical like disguises and makeup effects and stuff like mm-hmm. to hide himself and just and be like the scroll kind of thing that he can't be. It's really kind of endearing and pathetic all at the same time. <laughs> nice, nice. Then yeah, so yeah, so it's gonna have uh, Sam Jackson and uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so yeah. I think I asked you guys last last time. Did you see that uh, one show that uh, Ben Mendelsohn was in, uh, the uh, Outsider? I was, nope. I think, I uh, like, uh, it was like, uh, it's based on a Stephen King book. It's, uh, it was pretty good. You should, uh, uh, you should, check, out, you should check it out. Out, Outlander. The, 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 the Outsider. Outsider. Okay. Yeah, All so. I can think of is H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's The Outsider, <laughs> and I'm no. sure that's not it. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely not it. No, but uh, but yeah, you should uh, definitely check it out. It's pretty good, and he's uh, Ben Mendelsohn's uh, really good at it. So you should definitely check it out. So yeah, so after that, and then after that was uh, Daredevil: Born Again. That's yeah, another one that I'm really could be excited interesting. for. Yeah, so that's Quite interesting. Uh, Eighteen it, episodes. Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, so do you think they're going to like uh, break it up into like two parts and stuff, or do you think it's just going to be like a fight out like uh, <laughs> I would like to see them do it once a week, you know, one episode a week for eighteen weeks straight. Oh. I would like to see that. I don't think oh. they will. I mean, I, I got, I feel like they probably will break it up, like you're suggesting. Yeah. I think it'll yeah, come in in varying arcs. Like I don't think it'll be a solid like one half, second half, one third, second third, third third. No, I think that they'll it'll crest and peak and dive and dip. I think it'll it'll be uh, well if, with eighteen episodes to play with. Like I I hope that they're really going to start to dive into more of the mythology. Like I'm definitely hoping that characters like Nuke are going to show up. You know in their nuke get to be in his nuke south, persona. Yeah. you know given our our discussion of thunderbolts you know nuke is a character that could uh parlay into a further movie of thunderbolts like yeah. he's he's another yeah because yeah, he's yeah he showed up in like jessica jones right yes he did that is yeah. correct yep. yeah so we we could bring him back in yeah. uh, daredevil born again and then yeah. have him like be the the proper nuke yeah. You know, like, give me a red, drop him in the uh, neighborhood and just watch him go to town destroying Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. And I can't remember, in the, the three seasons on the Netflix, did uh, Fisk already figure out that uh, Daredevil is uh, Matt Murdock? Or, oh, yeah. Or, 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 oh, yeah. That was like the end of the first season. I think that's why then, that story doesn't necessarily carry over to what they're doing yeah. here. Yeah. So the characters, yeah, so. certain portrayals may, but the history... Uh, of what actually happened, I don't think that will factor into yeah. this. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. Now so I the, hear that uh, I heard a rumor today that Foggy will be back for it, which makes sense. Yes, that's good. Uh, yeah. I, I liked him. I like. I, I imagine Karen will be back for it too, considering so. you know she was great in it as well. Yeah, yeah, she's I, yeah, she's right too. Yeah, I do hope that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio has read a lot more comics featuring the Kingpin by this point. Well, Aaron, you know, you know why he was wearing that Hawaiian shirt in uh, Hawkeye. That's from one of the graphic novels, isn't it? Exactly, but Vincent insisted on it. 
because That's... he knew he knew it wasn't officially it was officially a kingpin look and it you know establishes him as kingpin without putting him in as, as the kingpin right mm-hmm. so i mean I, I thought it was a good idea <laughs> yeah always after that yeah so yeah so uh do we know that know when the daredevil is coming out yet or early 2024 is uh, the uh preliminary uh idea so far away but at least we're we'll see what happens but yeah, at least we're getting more daredevil so that's the main thing so and then speaking of more daredevil we're getting uh echo yep that one should be coming out before daredevil um that's apparently in post-production now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they, yeah. they've filmed most of it. Um, I believe Daredevil is showing up in it. And I mean, obviously, Vincent D'Onofrio is his kingpin. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, cause he showed up at the... Yeah, that was the, the character that was in uh, the Hawkeye show, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that is coming out. I just saw... It. I think that one's next year. Yeah, 2000, yeah, 2023. Yeah, 2023. Yeah, so... Yeah, it doesn't say what exactly. That's yeah, so what sometime next year or so. Yeah. So uh, we'll probably get the uh, us well, Secret Invasion and the next season of What If will probably happen before we get Echo. I'm down for uh, both of those. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm always down for more uh, Didafio and I, I think I remember I like an Echo in the show. So I'm always down for. Hey, if more. if Born Again gives us a f- proper Electra finally. Oh. then you know spin that off into some of the other stories that we've had oh that's there's some potential there yeah that'd be good so then after that is we're getting uh loki season two that should also be quite fun yeah, yeah so i imagine yeah. imagine somehow that'll tie in with ant-man considering it's dealing with a lot of that king and all that stuff yeah yeah, yeah the whole king thing and then uh kind of resetting the uh the multi yeah the I guess the one part of the most verse, I guess, or whatever. What the, what the, Who knows what, about resetting it? Or, 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 it more. or whatever the fuck happened at the end of the... Uh, that was uh, the something. walls breaking down, so now they can get back and forth between all the multiverse and stuff, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, It'll allow them to segue certain ideas and franchises into things, and if they want to, pretend like they've been there all along. I.e. X-Men. Like there's uh, the the X Men have been a huge big omission from the MCU right from the start. It'll be it'll be something special when we finally get them in it. Yeah, yeah, so it'll be fun just whenever that finally happens. Yeah, it'll be like you know seeing Spider Man and uh, Captain America only all over again. Was it Captain America that he was in first? Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, Civil War. yeah, yeah, Civil War. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, we got some uh, Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever. You guys, uh, you guys saw the uh, the trailer for that? Oh, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was that. That was a really good trailer, and actually, it didn't really give not much it much or anything of the uh, what the actual story is for it, which is rare for a trailer these days. Mm-hmm. So and actually maybe you'll actually want to see the movie a bit more than I already did. So that, that's just good. And that comes out uh yeah, the day before my birthday, uh November eleventh, uh two thousand twenty two. Yeah. So that's like the it'll be like the what third or fourth uh Marvel movie that came out this year. 
Yep. And then, and obviously the final one, yeah, because I don't think there's a December, there's not a December one, yeah. So it's just I don't believe there is either. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, so that'll be the final one for the year. And then the final thing, which is kind of what we're talking about uh, this week, is uh, the Thunderbolts. Uh, yeah, like uh, it was part of uh, Marvel's Phase Five, and uh, did it say it's going to be a movie or is it going to be a show? <coughs> it's supposed to be a movie. And honestly, out of all the characters that I'm seeing that are supposed to be in it, like only a couple, like Red Guardian's never been a uh, a Thunderbolt. Of uh, 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 Contessa uh, Fontaine, she's never been uh, one of them. Um, Yelena well, Belova was supposed to be one of them, but it turned out to be somebody else. Just in like impersonating Yelena to try to hide from Norman, but it didn't work. Now, from what I understand, there there's still a couple more characters that aren't showing in that pro, that promo picture that are supposed to be part of the Thunderbolts. And a lot of the fans nice. are complaining about the fact that it doesn't seem so much as Thunderbolts as it seems more of a Black Widow reunion. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, like, you know, uh, we got Winter Soldier in it. Um, in terms of Thunderbolts lore, He's the one who brought it back to what it should be after mm-hmm. that shit show that was Ross's Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. God, I hated that comic. Uh, we got uh, Ghost coming back. Um, yeah, Ghost in uh, Ant-Man was pretty cool. Ghost yeah. was in the comics. Ghost was one of my favorite members of the Thunderbolts. Nice. Both uh, incarnations yeah. that he was part of. Yeah, and, and we're, we're the, uh, <laughs> Ghost is only like different character of like what's in the Thunderbolts because like in the movie it's, it's like five super soldiers and Ghost. Mm basically yeah, basically yeah. um but uh yeah um u.s agent like yeah. uh his tenure in the thunderbolts made me actually like him uh he was the the warden of uh the thunderbolts prison when luke cage was uh in charge of the team that was right after siege where he lost an arm and a leg oh, yeah. to nuke yeah that's right nuke sliced off his arm and leg and that's why he refused to get cybernetic limbs. He's like, no, I'm not becoming like the piece of trash that did this to me. I'll just soldier on with just regular old prosthetics. And then Toxie Doxy just like straight up regrew his limbs while he was in a coma. <laughs> a uh, life of a superhero. Uh, as you do. Yeah, uh, it's, it's comics. Wild shit happens. <laughs> um, yeah, it says, you know, why not? But uh, yeah, no, uh, Thunderbolts, as like the way it's mostly done in the comics, I generally like. Right, so, so, so depending so, on how they approach this one, I'm I'm in. So, so. I'm, I'm in for it. So, so so what is the uh, like the comics team? Uh, it it has your way up. Yeah, it yeah. has changed. Okay, okay, well, okay, well, incarnations. Yeah, it started it, off as it, a. Is there mass- is there is there like a kind of like a Suicide Squad where there's like a base team that like people are like kind of recognize or is it more or less so basically yeah. basically there, there's been several different un- incarnations over the course of the the history of the thunderbolts with, and these teams are always overlaps of characters exactly two, two. So, some of the teams are drastically different from others some of them have a few overlapping members it's all over the place really but uh yeah no they they originally started off as uh kurt Busick just um you know giving himself uh writing exercises like 
you know, when you're on uh, long ass road trips from uh, con to con, you got to do something to occupy your brain. So he's given him like him, giving himself, okay, if I was going to plot out Avengers for the next year, what would I do? And he came up with this whole idea of uh, the Masters of Evil uh, wiping out the Avengers and setting themselves up as imposter replacements. And he thought this was a great idea, but he also rightfully recognized that there's no way that the, uh, the brass will let me actually do this. Not to the Avengers. So he just, you know, files it away. But then a few years later, you know, Onslaught happens. And a bunch of the mainstream characters are shunted off into a pocket universe. But to the mainstream 616, it looks like a whole bunch of the most beloved heroes have died. Within the context of the story, uh, uh, Baron Zemo was plotting his next Masters of Universe, you know, big grand extravaganza, where he had taken a bunch of his various mainstays and a few new ones, came up with a new incarnation, came up with superhero identities for all of them, and were going to befriend the Avengers and ingratiate themselves and weasel their way into their hearts and then gain all their secrets and take over the world. Mwahahaha. But then Onslaught happens, and all these heroes that they're going to be best friends with are all dead, and those all bummed out. Did we ever get a what if where that part of it happened? Because I somehow have this feeling that Zemo would have just walked up to Cap and Cap would have just started feeding oh, absolutely. him. Absolutely. Like there is no There's way that he no would have gone up to Cap yeah. and Cap would have gone, oh hey, oh, you're oh, not nice Zemo. You. You're not Zemo. Like it no. would have just been Zemo would have said one word and Cap would have punched him and then punched him and then kept punching him. No, that that would be a fun what if, you know, just you know, 22 pages of Cap just beating the crap out of Baron Zemo hiding out as Citizen V. Because, yeah, when he first set this up, he was in his Baron Zemo body. There's lots of weird shenanigans that goes on with the whole Citizen V identity and who is or isn't. And, you know, there's even a question of gender at some point, like, you know, a female Citizen V shows up and they claim that, like, I'm the real Citizen V. So, yeah, there's there's some wackiness. Um, but with the absence of all the heroes, they realize, like, oh, crap, we can we can fill this void. So their very first appearance was in uh, an issue of Incredible Hulk. Um, there was supposed to be some other throwaway team used, but kind of like an Alpha Flight situation or well, we can do something bigger and better with this. You got this idea for this Thunderbolts thing that we're setting up. Let, let's just have their introduction be here fighting the Hulk. They, they can take the place of this other team. And it's the only clue dropped in the earliest appearance of Thunderbolts that something might be amiss. Uh, the Hulk yes. recognizes the voice of one of the Thunderbolts. Uh, the, the hero Meteorite, who's actually the villain Moonstone, she's fought hulk a couple times she has a particular carla soften she is a psychiatrist who has a bad habit of manipulating her uh her patients for you know let's let's talk about themselves i think 11 of her patients had committed suicide under her direction before she ever even got the moonstone um she was the second person to carry the moonstone the previous guy had been a hulk villain as well um it was a Cree life stone that the guy had found like they didn't find this out until like late in the 90s 
but it's this artifact giving them crazy power. She psychologically manipulates this dude into giving her the Moonstone, and then she has had it ever since, and has even manipulated things to gain additional Moonstones. She's had at least two for a good chunk of time. But uh, they give her uh, flight, super strength, energy projection, intangibility, a whole bunch of powers. But she's fought a Hulk a couple times, and he th- he's like, your voice, I- I've-, I've heard your voice before. But no Not other close. hints. Next time we see them is in uh, Tales of the Marvel Universe, which was a, a one-shot uh anthology book with a whole bunch of different stories in it and it's just a generic like hey here's the superhero team being superheroes the kind of stuff you'd find in you know any of this sort of anthology fair that marvel's put out like uh marvel comics presents any summer annuals so many different places you know it it doesn't feel out of place so when issue one of the thunderbolts shows up where you know it's and uh, who's superhero the, uh, title where it seems to be these guys are struggling like they're, they're and just... who's the original team all right so we've got the aforementioned uh meteorite uh who was actually moonstone uh their leader is baron zemo masquerading as citizen v he's taken the identity of not just a golden age superhero who had battled his own father but he's also taken the identity of the grandson of that same hero. So he's claiming to be John Watkins the third, and he's carrying on his grandfather's legacy as the hero Citizen V. Um, we got uh, the uh, shape change or shape uh, changing behemoth uh, Atlas, who seems to have pim car- pim particle powers where he can like grow. He doesn't ever seem to shrink, but uh, he's actually Zemo's uh, buddy. Uh, yeah, he gets bigger. He's Atlas, but he used to be Goliath. Like the uh, the he he's a longtime uh, manservant, well not manservant, um, uh, lieutenant to uh, Baron Zemo. Like he he was with uh, with Helmet Zemo before, or with sorry with Heinrich Zemo uh, before he was ever with Helmet. So long time villain. Uh, we've got Techno, who's. Mm got this like cybernetic tech pack that he can like make all kinds of gadgets with he's actually fixer um guy who uh he was a section chief for uh, hydra um we've got uh songbird who's got uh, uh hard oh, she's got hard light powers like she's got this sonic carapace that can so not, no, so not no soft light uh, only hard light uh it's derived from uh the villain claw <laughs> Like uh, his uh, okay, uh, like it, light, uh, solid sound projections, like the uh, Jubilee sound, like, like Jubilee style, or is that something else? No, no you're thinking of uh, you think more of Dazzler than Jubilee. Oh, Jubilee okay. makes yeah, subatomic explosions. Okay, okay. Yes, Jubilee just made shit blow up without the need for things to actually blow up. Okay. Yeah, she's a character that would be fun to get into. The amount of potential that hasn't been fulfilled with the her. The people that say that she's useless and not realizing exactly what she does is she theoretically could kill any of the characters in the Marvel Universe. Oh, God. When uh, Sink uh, uses her powers to just blow up that building and she's just utterly shocked that her powers could even do that. Yep. Yeah. Fun times. But uh, so songbird uh used to be the villainous screaming mimi uh she was one of the uh what were they uh the grapplers 
Yeah, they I, were think the they, grapp- I think that's what they were. The, the grapplers. They were a bunch of uh, female wrestlers who uh, took on uh, bionic enhancements to Go on. You know, do more stuff. Most all of them took some form of super strength enhancement, except for uh, Melissa Gold. She took uh, like a sonic scream that, uh, depending on what notes she could sing, she could uh, cause different effects. I like um, a Black Canary style. Uh, I don't know enough about Black Canary, but I would assume so, because I, I would assume just from what I know of her being such a badass, like I bet her powers are more uh, nuanced than just loud Banshee type scream, because even then, like Banshee, I've seen uh-huh. how he can do a, what such a wide variety of things with his sonic scream. But uh, if, if you look up her character directly, like on Wikipedia or Marvel Wiki, uh, I'm pretty sure there is a list of like what notes she can sing and what specific effects they cause. But she burnt out her vocal cords when uh, one of when her partner in crime, uh, Angar the Screamer, got killed and just like random security guard got off a lucky shot and just killed him. Fatal wound. They get away and he drops dead and she screams for like half an hour straight. So she gets picked up by Zemo. Uh, he uses Claw's technology to rebuild her vocal cords and give her the sonic carapace where initially she can't do the, the harmonics. She doesn't seem to be able to sing the way she used to, but she can create Green Lantern style hard light constructs. Nice. She's basically the Green Lantern of the group. Um, she is also the most toyetic of the group when they start getting licensing deals and stuff like like what during norman's reign like he wants to get rid of her but he can't because the focus groups all love her she identifies really well with uh the uh, teenage girl demographic she's the one out of the entire group that truly takes to being a hero yeah that's like She's a uh, hit with 18 uh, to 30, 40 year olds. Well, outside of their new recruit that they get a couple issues in, like she is the youngest out of all of them. And like she's still in her 20s, but you know, most all of these characters have storied careers. Like you got Mach 1, who's their Iron Man of the group. He was the, uh, the old Spider Man villain Beetle, who'd, you know, spent years being a fuck up of a criminal. Um, he. Like later on, when they're uh, act- actively seeking out redemption as the Thunderbolts, he's the one kind of holding them back because he's got a murder rap on his uh, records. Like he legitimately killed somebody, and under Hawkeye's reign, he ends up having to answer to that or, or answer for it, and gets tossed in jail. But it's, it's, he's also one of the ones who wants to be a hero. Like once they get a taste, they're like, this feels a lot better than just getting our ass handed to us all the time. Is it a couple of the Thunderbolts that gets like Spider-Man and it's in Civil War or is that somebody else? I can't remember. Uh, so in, during, in Civil War, in Civil, Civil War is a War. different scenario though. But yeah, there's a bunch going on with the Thunderbolts. Uh, Zemo, independently of Civil War, is building a superhuman army because he's playing a bigger game against the grandmaster like the what's going on in civil war is just a fun little diversion to the bigger stakes he's dealing with so when as he's building the superhuman army he's like oh this is what you guys are doing hey registration i'm all for it this is actually kind of my thing uh here's all the resources i have you know what i'm capable of you know what i can control what i can do He's right there with Mr. Fantastic and Iron Man and the others. Like he's providing direct uh, information and technology that they're using to make their like superhuman prison 
like he is definitely full on registration side during all of it. So now what you're thinking of Spider-Man though, is that's the introduction of Norman Osborn's oh, that, that, that's a whole other f- yeah, fun, yeah. fun time. Yeah, you're, you're thinking at the end of it Steel when, when Spider-Man. He's, yeah. You're, you're thinking at the end of the near the end of Civil War when Spider-Man kind of turns decides that what Iron Man's doing is wrong and he has to go join the uh, anti-registration side. Yeah. So Iron Man just six the new Thunderbolts on him. Yeah, and then they, yeah, and then like granted, the a bunch of them immediately get killed by Punisher, but still, yeah, they, yeah like they, yeah, yeah, that, like, that yeah, that's is like, that that's is like the one page where like the Punisher is carrying him back and he finds him like almost dead or whatever. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah the, that's also immediately before Norman Osborn takes okay. care, takes over uh, okay. the Thunderbolts. Like it's a, the result of civil war. That yeah, because I think that I think that's the only thing so far that I've read that has has oh, had that, a, a, any team of the Thunderbolts in it. I that I remember at least. Yeah, no, that the um, the Warren Ellis Mike Diodato run is really, really good, but that's also much, much later. Like the initial uh, run, like with uh, these characters, um, it was uh, uh, Kurt Busiek and Mark Bagley was the original artist. Yep. Um, there's there's a couple of uh, bits here and there, like Peter David wrote the issue of Incredible Hulk that uh, introduced them, but they're still created by Bagley and uh, Busick. Um, as uh, their uh, story goes on, um, they they show up in New York. They deal with a couple of superhuman threats. Uh, the mayor's office wants. They're like, okay, we need superheroes in New York to kind of keep things even keel. Uh, they send out a, a representative to kind of be the liaison. And this starts Zemo trying to build up the resources that they have. Like when they're first starting out, like Fixer builds himself a little butler robot to take care of his, you know, hedonistic needs. He wants to relax. He wants to drink. He wants to smoke. Uh, Zemo destroys it because like, no, we, we can't be comfortable if we look like we're not struggling they're not gonna do their best to help us if we're sitting in this shitty pizza parlor hiding in their basement using just the basest of tech then they'll take pity on us and they'll give us like you know avengers mansion they'll give us you know access to the fantastic fours building like come on we we gotta make this work like no doing heists no vendettas against any of your superheroes we we gotta play this right so like when uh, f- when Mach one comes back, uh, he th- he foiled a robbery, but he took the robber's loot, and like it's another supervillain who's like just straight up telling the cops like he he took the money. I mean, come on, guys, he's right here. He's like, oh yeah, like we're gonna believe you, you supervillain. So <laughs> yeah, he gets verbally bitch slapped by uh, Zemo again. Like you got to commit to this. We got to make this work. Otherwise, the goal just won't happen. But he pushes them a little too far. Uh, they end up dealing with some uh, Arnim Zola shit. Um, in the uh, aftermath of Onslaught, with all the destruction and all the, the deaths, he's had mercenary crews rounding up orphans so that he can experiment on them. One of them happens to gain proper superpowers as a result of his experimentation and gets away. And she gets the thunderbolts, you know, pours out her heart to them. You know, this this poor 14-year-old girl who's been experimented on. Zemo and a couple of others know Arnim Zola and know that he's a piece of trash. 
So, you know, this is one of their big heroic moments, you know, take this, this orphaned girl who's herself has been looking after a bunch of other orphan kids who have been preyed on in the wreckage, you know, save the day, save all these kids. So this young girl takes on the name Jolt and she joins the team. So they've got to keep up the pretenses 24 seven. And, you know, her enthusiasm is really rubbing off on the team. And of course, Moonstone being a psychiatrist is just watching all the, the psycholo psychological uh, dynamics grow and change. And is just like, huh, I wonder if any of these idiots actually know what they're doing. You know, this, they're, they're really forming proper bonds. Like this is becoming something that Zemo did not anticipate. Um, eventually it gets to the point where uh, Zemo outs all of them because he himself realizes that they've gone too far, that too many of them like being heroes and they're not going to accomplish his plans the way he wants. So he leaks to the media that they're the masters of evil and suddenly they're on the run. Uh, a couple of characters feel pretty betrayed um, and you know everybody's on their ass uh, but somebody does have their back Hawkeye shows up kind of out of nowhere and explains to them like I I know what you guys are going through I've been there I've I've I was a villain who reformed and was invited to join the Avengers like you know the it's pretty infamous how when a bunch of the original Avengers retired a bunch of former villains came in and replaced them like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver had been part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants uh, Hawkeye I think was originally an Iron Man villain when he first appeared like you know he's yeah, got some history like in this regard so he comes to them tells them that uh, the government has offered them a pardon if they actually do this hero thing uh, the sad thing is he's full of shit he is straight up lying to them when he says he's got pardons arranged, but he's, he's got a plan behind this. Like he knows that if they show the public, like that they mean to continue to do good, that they don't care that everybody knows that they're former villains, that they're going to keep doing what they were doing as Thunderbolts, then the redemption will come. And he ends up being right. Like even after they find out that he lied to them, like, they're they're seeing the results of his efforts you know like they do end up getting legitimate pardons a few of them have to just go go straight as a result like uh, um, like i said uh, mach one who is abner jenkins he has to go to prison because of the murder that he committed but once he's in jail there is a riot uh, his tech skills allow him to completely suppress the riot and allow no escapes and also almost flawlessly cover up his tracks so nobody knows he did it except the Commission for Superhuman Affairs like they investigate and they're like um, this shouldn't have happened like this something intervened but we don't have any superheroes coming and dealing with this what happened they investigate and they conclude like okay the only person even remotely capable of doing this was jenkins okay this guy is on the level we can use him they manipulate him and they you know make him escape from jail so he can go on the lam and uncover a bigger conspiracy 
But the stupid thing that results from that is as part of his pardon, he has to have plastic surgery to change his face because as far as the public's concerned, Abner Jenkins should still be in jail. But they make him black for some reason. Like, I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> it's... Makes you wonder whose idea that was and to what end. I'd have to go back and double check when that happens and who was writing it. But like there, there's there's some tension. Like the character himself doesn't care. Like he was raised in a neighborhood with an upbringing where skin color truly did not matter. Like it doesn't matter to him one way or another in fact he kind of likes it because it really is more of a fresh start for him like he's put his criminal past behind him and he can move forward as a completely new person unfortunately by this point he and songbird have become begun a relationship and she's got the same sort of background as rogue she's southern trailer trash she's more florida trailer trash than uh, louisiana from what i can recall but she's still got a prejudiced background. Like she herself isn't racist, but because of how she was raised, she's just not comfortable with Abe's skin color after this point. So that brings it some soap opera drama, whatever. Not my favorite part of some of the comics. I don't like the, I don't like when they give characters relationships and then just start messing around with the oh uh, is it gonna work out oh it's not is it oh it's not but is it so old so quick when i watch a sitcom and it starts doing that that's generally when i lose interest that's, in that's the death knell yeah yeah that's never fun when that happens yeah but the rest of the team they continue on with uh you know fighting the good fight uh Around this time, things get more complicated because a new Citizen V shows up. This one is a woman. Um, there's a lot of twists and turns throughout Thunderbolt, so I don't want to give away certain character revelations. Like As it is, the whole reveal of them being the Masters of Evil, that was kept a secret right up until the publication of Issue 1, right until the reader got to the last page where Baron Zemo made the reveal. Like it is literally on the last page of the first issue. And in the days of wizard, like there is still comic book press back in the nineties. There's lots of uh, trade magazines, lots of fanzines. So there's tons of gossip, tons of behind the scenes information made available to the readers. If you so desire to seek it out, this blindsided us all. Nobody saw it coming. This, this, the, the, Next closest thing I can remember to the reveal of the Thunderbolts as far as Marvel doing their stuff was uh, convincing the readers that uh, the Sentry was a legitimate forgotten Stanley creation from the 60s. <laughs> like that level of like just not seeing it coming. Like, you know, there, there's a couple people that may have been able to figure things out pretty quick because... That's just the way things are. I mean, one of the very, very long-running uh, subplots in uh, Thunderbolts involves uh, um, the Thunderbolts take over this one mountain that's been the headquarters for countless superhuman various villain groups over the years. 
um, there's this one really old obscure X-Men villain called Ogre who's been living there continuously regardless of who's using this base this one guy Ogre has always been there and there's some person mutant in stasis that he is keeping a secret from everybody um, the identity of this uh, this um, this mystery villain mystery mutant character uh, it was held onto for a long time. Like Kurt Busiek gave up writing the title, passed it off to Fabian Nicieza, and he explained to Nicieza, like, "Hey, uh, is, is that how it's pronounced?" I'm pretty sure it's pronounced uh, Fabian Nicieza. Nicieza. Okay, okay, I forgot. No idea how, how to say it. <laughs> All right, uh, sorry. Continue. We could but be wrong, I, but I'm pretty sure it's Nicieza. Okay. Um, I, I I may be influenced by the cartoonist kayfabe uh, guys. Uh, and with most of these comic creators until you hear their names spoken by them themselves yeah can you really be sure how it's pronounced uh, yeah but Daniel you... didn't know chris pachalo until he asked chris pachalo directly no no that's not true i actually no? i listened to a podcast one day oh, and uh, right. the guy said uh, the guy introduced him as pachalo and the pachalo said yep i'm chris pachalo and then continued on and it's well, just to, the other day still to, to hear it spoken by the actual person yep. in question. and still and still the other day uh, i had to tell you it's pronounced len wayne right yeah there, there's a bunch of back and forth about that one i've seen but I, i'm not getting into that like just <laughs> weirdness but uh like with the thunderbolts like uh Nicisa, he totally loved the idea of who this mystery character was like it was somebody who did exist within marvel history but had never shown up in an actual comic so one reader figured out who this mystery character was before uh the the story revealed it so there there was some fairly clever twists and turns throughout the comic so like the various uh citizen v identities like there's even a couple of citizen v miniseries as part of the overall thunderbolts run just to try to deal with some of the no okay what's going on okay so this character was revealed as being this but now they're doing this but i thought this happened to them so there, there's there's a bit to straighten out thankfully the the proper usage for miniseries i find you know don't just cash in on a certain popularity but use it to tell a story that you know actually makes a difference um during uh, a bunch of this stuff um graviton has popped up a couple of times and he's not a villain that gets used a whole lot because he's so insanely powerful when he is used imagine if magneto was just absolutely batshit insane like the the amount of power primordial forces that magneto wields and if he was just utterly insane like, how would you reason with the man? How would you deal with him? Like, Graviton is, is basically that. Like, you know, the, the degree of what Magneto can do with the uh, electromagnetic spectrum with his magnetic powers, Graviton can do much the same. And Thunderbolts managed to take him out a couple of times. But part of that has to do with the fact that they've got a trained psychologist on their team. Um, Carla makes him actually think about what do you want? Like you're telling us you're trying to take over the world. Why? What would you do with the world once you take it over? And that 
really disturbs him that he doesn't have an answer and he just takes off but eventually he comes uh-huh. back and is like okay carlos often you're the only person that's actually made me really think about these things you're gonna be my personal psychiatrist now <laughs> so she's left trying to manipulate a literal madman this is experience that comes in handy later on when she's dealing with no more osborne but not in a good way in a bad way like she's already learned how to manipulate one insane psycho she doesn't have to worry about the next one literally picking up the building inverting it and just crushing it back down into the earth nah with norman all she had to worry about was him just busting out the old goblin gear and just running murderous through the the complex that was fun when it happened so much fun the uh, the Thunderbolts, they continue on through various adventures um, among various things. When the, the prison bit happens with uh, with Abner Jenkins, a couple other characters the in gaining amnesty no longer are allowed to use their powers. Like uh, Songbird, like she's left being a civilian. But also because they've been, in their eyes, betrayed by Hawkeye, she's trying to track him down. There, there's more going on with why she's tracking him down, you know, spy shit. But, uh, like, this is her doing stuff more or less as a civilian. No sonic powers or anything. That's not until a really well done enough set issue that she gets that back. Um, if you're not familiar with enough said issues, they were pioneered at Marvel, at least, pioneered by uh, an early issue of G.I. Joe, where uh, Snake Eyes has to break into a Cobra facility to rescue Scarlet, and not a single bit of dialogue is spoken through the entire issue until, I think, the very end when he finally does rescue Scarlet. Like, no, no dialogue, no captions. It's all told through the art, and it's also the uh, the first indication that there's some sort of uh, hidden history between Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. But it started a tradition of trying to tell stories creatively with absolutely no dialogue. Yeah. Um, in the, the Thunderbolts Nuff Set issue, there had been a backup team of Thunderbolts created. Like when the, when the Thunderbolts went legitimate and were granted amnesty, uh, there was a new team created. Some old members were kept and a bunch of new members were added. One of those was a living sonic scream they called the scream. And they didn't know what it was. They just found it in some vault of Zemos. Um, And it more or less did whatever the team needed it to do. Like it didn't seem to actually be sentient, not even to the degree that man thing is. Like it didn't even respond to, you know, intense emotions. It's just kind of, they could direct it. Um, a little bit more like uh, that one no-face guy in that uh, New Mutants arc where they go back to Limbo and rescue the uh, the former babies. Yeah, the guy that couldn't communicate, yeah. just tapped on his head to make him shoot or whatever. Yeah, the, the Morse code and shit. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, more or less one of those kind of characters. By the way, he was literally literally just called Face. <laughs> Not even no-face, just Face. Hey, yeah. Face. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, no, in the Nuff Said issue, um, something has uh, previously caused uh, Scream to go absolutely berserk, and it's absorbing all sound to 
some wide, wide radius. So nobody in the issue can actually talk. So Songbird is like, you know, writing plans and stuff to show them like what she can do. Like, hey, she if she gets her old carapace, they can modify it to instead of output her sonic scream into like the solid mass, draw it back in. They can suck him into it and then destroy it. Um, in doing so, they kind of found out that it was the, the scream thing was Angar the Screamer's power. It when he, Baron Zemo picked uh, Melissa up, he also took Angar's body, took his mutant larynx out. Now, I don't know if he was literally a, an X-Factor mutant or just mutate, but took out his larynx and experimented on it until they could like actually form his sonic scream. So it's kind of a ghost scream, but uh, that was kind of the first indication that Songbird's not just wanting to be good, she is good. Like in the the years to follow this incident, characters start to notice like you're Avengers level good. Like with some of the displays you've pulled off, you should be an Avenger. And she just dismisses the thought because she's a reformed criminal. Why would they want her on the Avengers? Pretty sure she does end up on the Avengers though, doesn't she? A few years ago. Uh, but yeah, a few of them have gotten the, the proper redemption. That's um, good. I think it was the the redeemers that they uh, the backup uh, uh, Thunderbolts were called. Oh yeah, it was Valerie Cooper's team. That's right. I forgot she was in it. You know, when when the government are dealing with superheroes, you can expect Cooper and everybody's favorite bastard to hate. You know who I want, Daniel Henry, Henry Peter Gyrick. Uh, anybody who watched the X-Men cartoon should uh, remember this character. He is not just a thorn in the mutant side in the comics. He is a thorn in every superhuman oh. side, hero and villain. Is he, is, uh, is he the one that makes the Sentinels or? No, no. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, make them in, in, in the X-Men cartoon. Or is he the set? He's just the center. Dude. That's fucking uh, he's just the guy who works for the government who is the go-to guy for the editors to use when they need a government stooge. Uh, in, in, in the X-Men cartoon, uh, he, he was the guy who, um, sorry, my cat just jumped on my chest and my face. Um, he was the guy who was working with Bolivar making the Sentinels. He didn't actually make them. He was just the guy telling Bolivar what he should be doing. And Bolivar actually made them. But he was that guy with the red hair and sunglasses. Sort of crap. Yeah. yeah. He, he's like the evil Fox Mulder. <laughs> all these things exist and they're a threat and we have to kill them all like uh, a couple of the larger arcing plots that the uh, thunderbolts have to deal with involve gyrick uh either trying to you know fulfill his own anti-superhuman plots or having his own anti-superhuman plots uh taken over by other villains and brought to extremes that even he didn't think were uh, feasible. But um, when, uh, when Graviton comes back and they have the big, huge battle to, uh, to deal with him superhero style, uh, a bunch of uh, the various teammates from the Thunderbolts and the, uh, the Redeemers, some of them all get uh, a little bit um, mutant massacred. 
some characters are left damaged some characters are left dead um and it's another uh, change up time um this is one of the uh the fun weird uh uh zemo what is he doing where is he at he's a disembodied tech ghost hiding out in fixer's tech pack and because fixer got his neck broken earlier it's his tech pack keeping his spine together and oh who's got control of that tech pack it's zemo so yeah fixer is unknown to everybody else just kind of doing whatever zemo needs him to do and this is all just happening underneath everybody's noses. Um, rest assured, Zemo's plot is to eventually get, if not his, a body back. Um, one thing I will reveal, by the, the end of this particular character arc for Zemo, he ends up not just in his own body, but an unscarred version of his own body. Not the weird thing about it is he keeps hiding his face from everybody as if he still is scarred because. And how did he get scarred again? Uh, I forget the exact circumstances. Uh, it, it's been, a, I think I might have the issues of Captain America that it happens in, but it's been like a decade plus since I've read them. So I don't really remember. Uh, I would assume doing battle with Captain America hoisted on his own petard, you know, the usual supervillain origin story, or at least second gen villain origin story. Yeah. No. But the thing with Zemo is he never actually believed his father's rhetoric. Like he's, he wasn't directly raised by Zemo and he didn't carry over uh, to follow certain of Zemo's beliefs. Like uh helmet isn't uh, a racist the way his father is like he he does have a sense of superiority but that has more to do with his family history and bloodline than any actual ethnicity like he really doesn't care like uh the flashback issue is uh him as a young adult but still fairly young in learning just exactly who his father is like the the real man behind the uh, nazi legends and as his father's putting down this south american uh rebellion you know people he's been enslaving to do his work you know on one hand he can see the sort of leader that his father is that inspires his troops but also by the other hand like he just doesn't understand all the you know oh the these people are are lesser than us they're they're subhumans like yeah, these are people just like us you know they're they're not civilized like us but that doesn't mean they're not people you know he he never had that same level of hatred to him so a lot of it was kind of forced on him by his father so by the time he gets into an unscarred version of his body he now believes this whole redemption thing He's got a bigger perspective on life and existence and things and wants to actually save the world, not take over, but, you know, save the world. He, he had a little bit of practice of this on Counter-Earth, that, that uh, one that the High Evolutionary set up in uh, exact opposite orbit of regular Earth. 
um it was the place where uh adam warlock uh, first became adam warlock like before okay. that he was just him um but uh you know after their experiences on uh, the counter earth no sorry no that it gets confusing. There's a couple of counter-Earths. There's one that was created by the High Evolutionary in direct opposite orbit of uh, our Earth, which is where certain Fantastic Four and Adam Warlock stories occurred. But then in Onslaught, when Franklin created the pocket universe of Heroes Reborn that everybody was hidden in, that was somehow simultaneously counter-Earth on the opposite side of the sun from our orbital rotation. And the weird thing is, is I had a mini series that's in Dan's collection because of Franklin Richards called Daydreamers, which more or less establishes that the pocket universe that all the missing heroes are hidden in is hidden inside the Hulk. You remember some of that, right, Dan? Yeah, Where, like, yeah. He got confused, like thought it was man thing. That was the big green monster, but turned out to actually be the Hulk. Yeah, no, that yeah. was just a weird, weird miniseries. Oh, so much about Heroes Reborn and all that stuff is weird. Yeah. But like, you remember how uh, uh, in Heroes Reborn, Cap had that uh, Bucky sidekick who was basically Carrie Kelly from Dark Knight yep. Return? Yeah, and eventually yeah. Onslaught she... possessed her years later. Yeah, she initially uh, comes to uh, 616 regular earth in the thunderbolts uh, stories yeah um they're rebelling as they want to do uh but yeah that's how she first uh comes back into play but uh i got a bit of a gap in thunderbolts after a little while here when we get to uh um there's uh uh some crossovers with the avengers uh both a mini series and some stuff happening in thunderbolts I've got very little of that, so I don't know a whole lot of the direct history between Thunderbolts and Avengers, but they generally don't get along. Um, there's a little too much history between certain members of both teams, uh, a certain amount of distrust that is uh, both unfounded and both definitely founded when it comes to certain characters. Like, nobody trusts Moonstone, and nobody should trust Moonstone. Even when her Cree lifestone is, you know, influencing her to be a good person, just just don't trust her. Just 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 don't do it. But if there's an if there's an opening for her to manipulate you and screw with you, even if she doesn't need to, she will. Oh yeah, she will. Oh yeah. Because uh, skipping ahead a little bit, we get to there. There's one unfortunate uh, story arc. Uh, it's not actually Thunderbolts. Um, there's an era in the it early 2000s that they did it, or was it late 90s? No, early 2000s, where they revamped a number of lower selling titles to be completely different stories. Yeah, it was like around 2001 when uh, Jim Hassan Kusada took over. Some of them were successful, like uh, Mike, Mike Allred had taken over X Force, turned it into something different. Uh, that became Ecstatic. Um, Deadpool became Soldier X, which was no, no, sorry, Cable became Soldier X. Deadpool, Deadpool became, became Agent, Agent X, X, which wasn't even Agent a Deadpool. Agent X was not well received. Well, other than great artwork from about. Udon, but not well received at all. Wasn't she writing Deadpool before that? Yep, this was uh, editorial mandate. Yep, yep. Uh, 
Generation X suffered a change up, didn't it? No, Generation X was a different one. What happened with that was uh, the whole X Men line got a whole switch over the year before in 2000. Right, yeah. But uh, with Thunderbolts, they completely abandoned the whole superheroes for redemption. And we follow some low level, never heard of him before, uh, supervillain called Battler. He's given up his uh, superhero identity after having had the crap kicked out of him by Superman and served like four years in prison or something. So now he's out and he's working the superhuman fighting ring. And that's it. It's it's superhuman fight club in New York. It, it's there's nothing wrong with it itself, but it's just not Thunderbolts. It's got no business calling itself Thunderbolts. And it's a failure, like not as like a story, just as a title. It did not maintain, nor did it gain any uh, readership. It lost readers. So they went back to what worked and that's where we got new uh, Thunderbolts. Uh, one of the earlier uh, examples I can remember seeing of Marvel have a, having a dual numbering on the cover of a book where like new uh, Thunderbolts was like issue one but it also carried on the numbering from the previous issues of Thunderbolts. And I think they also included the Avengers Thunderbolts miniseries as part of that numbering and then just picked up from there. Right. So like both numbers are on the cover of uh, every issue. Um, that's where uh, Zemo starts building up uh, some of uh, um, his uh, superhero and army stuff. Grandmaster wants to, uh, He's got some plot involving uh, the wellspring of power, which is behind the scenes where a lot of superheroes get their powers from. Um, if you're familiar with the book, The Science of the X-Men, it goes into details about how most of these superhuman characters have to be able to tap into certain pocket dimensions uh, for various energy transferences. Uh, the wellspring of power would essentially be that pocket dimension. Um, there's a few variances like the dark force dimensions its own thing and there's a couple of others but if you've got superpowers and there's a big question mark of how do your superpowers work wellspring of power is how it works um, most of the squadron supreme the original squadron sinister that uh, were empowered in the 616 were directly empowered by the wellspring of power so there's various shady going ons behind the scenes with uh the um uh the squadron sinister like this new incarnation like they're trying to get uh, nighthawk to rejoin them because they need all the original members or replacements for those original members if said original members are dead uh kind of that up and it's it's the grandmaster also manipulating things so you know yeah jeff goldblum in the comic books yep oh yeah yeah yeah, that, that's, there's, there's some stuff they can do with that character in the movies that would be a lot of fun, especially uh, including uh, his brother, played by Benicio Del Toro. Uh, the uh, collector? Yeah, there's actually a specific story in the comics where Grandmaster is having a big game to combat death to get his brother back. He wants the collector, the collector had died in a previous story, and the grandmaster wants like they're they're not literal brothers they're you know yeah. fraternal brotherhood kind of stuff but he wants his brother back 
So like he challenges death for that sort of thing, which tells you the kind of power levels that somebody like the Grandmaster operates at. Yeah. Uh, Zemo manages to uh, outmaneuver him. Um, he uh, manages to beat Grandmaster at his own game, but at the same time, he's been playing things far, far too close to the vest, has done a couple of things for the greater good that don't sit right with a few of the others, and has full on told them repeatedly, oh, Songbird's totally going to betray me. Yeah, the only reason she's getting tight with me and making out with me is because she's going to stick one in my back. It's okay, Songbird. You, I've got it coming. You, you should be doing this. But you guys not see this? She's not betraying you. She's setting herself up to betray me. I mean, this is obvious, guys. Come on. So he gets kind of sacrificed into the wellspring of power. That's when he goes off and has his own little mini series, Thunderbolts, Zemo, Born Better. Um, you remember when Batman got hit by uh, Darkseid's Omega Beams and then he got flung into the past yeah, and him. went through different incarnations of his history yeah. until he got home? Yeah, Zemo did it first. <laughs> yeah, Zemo got sent back hundreds of years into the past through his bloodline and was seeing different events that he knows of through studying his family's history, but is seeing them as they happen. So instead of seeing them through the lens of history, he's seeing the reality. And he's always known that Zemos are like Targaryens. They could either be super great or super awful. And he has seen the example of how one great one leads to an awful one, leads to a great one, and it just kind of goes back and forth. And he's, he himself, he sees as one of those ones that could truly go either way really good or really great and as this is happening he's being randomly flung at intervals closer and closer to his actual timeline because we see that in in the current timeline there's somebody who's been studying zemo's history and interviewing various descendants of the zemo bloodline and the end conclusion when zemo is finally brought to his proper timeline he finds out that this interviewer himself is a descendant of Zemo and has been killing every single other Zemo descendant and using their deaths to bring Helmet back to the present just so he can kill him. And Helmet's like, oh, you've, wow, you've done all this and you think I'm bad. Damn. <laughs> all right, if you want to kill me, kill me. I, ugh. You're, you're so much worse than I could ever be. And that this is also one of the things that kind of spurs him on to, uh, um, you know, be a, a better person. But because of Civil War, we get a massive regime change. Now, this is where I started actually uh, reading Thunderbolts as like a regular title. Like this became part of my pull list because it was announced that uh, Warren Ellis and Mike Diodato were taking over already familiar with Diodato from various chaos books and other things he had done and Warren Ellis you know by this point you can't go wrong with something written by Warren Ellis not yeah. that you ever could but it was known by this point Warren Ellis you're going to get something well written so this version of the Thunderbolts has uh, some new and some old ones 
uh, Moonstones returned, Songbirds returned. Uh, Radioactive Man had actually been on an earlier uh, incarnation briefly. He gets brought back. Jiminy um, Jilicleary's Radioactive Man. Different Radioactive Man. This one's uh, Chen Lu. Um, I forget. I think he showed up as an Iron Man villain originally. Uh, but he is a uh, Chinese nationalist who has uh, basically Carol Danvers when it comes to radiation. You know, the way she can manipulate all kinds of different aspects of the uh, energy spectrum. Yeah. He can control almost every aspect of radiation. Like, I'm pretty sure he can make the Hulk de-Hulk by sapping all the gamma radiation from him. That'd be, that'd be handy. Uh, we got Venom, but not Eddie Brock. This is when uh, Eddie had uh, given up the symbiote, auctioned it off, and it came into the hands of Mac Gargan, better known as the Scorpion. Oh, yeah. Uh, he began operating as Venom. And we're, he's not Venom with like a big stupid tail coming out of the back. Like he's just Venom, Venom. They just stuck a different guy inside him. So they he had, I think he maybe had like a slightly different design around his eyes and like a slightly so, different spider design on his chest. So there was Theodato so draws him a little bit messier looking. So he wasn't he doing like spider. More... So it wasn't like Scorpion Venom. It was just Venom. No, venom. It was yeah, just, just Venom. Just straight venom, up Venom. Yeah. Um, we got a new incarnation of Swordsman. Uh, this one was uh, Andreas Strucker, uh, better known as one half of uh, Fenris. Uh, they were the mutant offspring of uh, Baron Strucker. So they're, they're pretty big in Hydra. Um, and my understanding that they are X-Factor mutants. Can you confirm this, Dan? X, what do you mean X-Factor? Like they're they're mutants in the traditional sense. They're not. Yeah, they're straight up mutants. They're X Men. Yeah, like they they were like born with uh, their abilities. Yeah, no, they're, they're they, they, they've got the X factor in their brain that triggers the mutant ability. I think they first appeared in X Men Two Hundred. Yeah, but in, at this point, um, Andrea is dead, and Andreas has taken a strip of her skin, wrapped the hilt of his sword in it, so that he can still access their shared. Uh, bio mutant blast. <clears throat> so his sanity is taken into question a few times during this run. Uh, speaking of sanity, we've got Bullseye on this team. He's actually the troubleshooter of the team. If they fuck up too bad, uh, a team of handlers move in with Bullseye and he fixes the problem and then just gets shot back into restraints. Because he's Bullseye and if you don't, he will kill everyone. Yeah. But surprisingly, a couple times he turns out to actually be useful for the team. Um, the other completely unhinged and damaged person on the team is the character at this point known as Penance. Uh, originally, Penance was the name of a very confusing member of Generation X. Uh, her initial description of who Penance is does not match what they do with the character later in the comic. Not one little bit. And it's confusing as fuck and still kind of remains confusing to various degrees to this day. Oh, House of X didn't help. Oh, I'm sure not. This penance, however, is the new identity of the former speedball, Robbie Baldwin. He is suffering some massive PTSD. He's just fucked up from what happened at Stanford. Uh, as penance... He has had a metal and leather bondage suit. There's no other description for it. 
He's had this suit made and the inside is lined with a single spike for every victim of the Stanford explosion. That's uh, that's the thing that starts off uh, the house. Civil uh, War, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So after the events of Civil War, he's thrown onto the Thunderbolts as part of his rehabilitation program. Does that sound fine to you? <laughs> No, Robbie is serious damaged goods on the team. Um, his power signature has completely inverted itself. Like he is no longer happy-go-lucky. He is like very depressed and feeds on pain to power his energy now. Um, at one point during this arc, uh, the Thunderbolts man or Mountain uh, gets infiltrated by a rogue group of psychics who just want to see the various members of the Thunderbolts punished for perceived crimes. They think they've got justice on their side, but they're just vigilantes. But uh, during all this, Leonard Sampson is in Thunderbolts Mountain to have an independent psychological assessment of Robbie Baldwin. Because he doesn't trust Carla Sofin one bit. He's a uh, smart man. There, he knows her. They fought. Uh, there's, there's been observations that the Thunderbolts is not the place for Robbie to be, and Samson is sent in to basically confirm this. Uh, because of the psychics, things don't go well, but they. Robbie displays Hulk level destructive capabilities. Like this, this was pointed out to Norman earlier. Like he had a bit of a freak out, trashed a room, and got stunned into uh, unconsciousness for it. And then Norman's freaking out that ah, I don't want this uh, out this wild kid. Like he's crazy. I can't handle him. I don't need someone with Hulk level abilities going off like this. And then Soften's like. Do, do you not just hear yourself? Hulk level abilities. We'll just keep manipulating him to do what we want. Which, as Samson, well. well, as Samson finds out very quickly that Robbie wants to get better. Psychologically, he wants to get fixed. Just he consciously doesn't know how to go about this. And the Thunderbolts is not the place for it to happen. Like Samson points out that in a completely relaxed and unthreatened atmosphere, his original uh, speedball power signature briefly comes back. You know, and, and it's used in a different fashion than uh, his penance abilities. Like penance is just like blue arcs of energy that just destroy everything around it. Kind of like um, the uh, uh, the superhuman effects of the uh, the superhumans in uh, Uber from Avatar. The way they just like create fields of destruction. Like that's basically what penance does. I have to cough. So this is who we start off with uh, in the days following Thunderbolt or th following Civil War, uh, which in the comics also has certain marketing tie-ins. Like the Thunderbolts have like action figures and stuff. Like at one point in the comic, we see ads of like, uh, a Thunderbird style Thunderbolts mountain with like, you know, hidden compartments for vehicles to launch out of. And it shows like all the action figures and how like, you know, you can arrest characters like Captain America who has authentic screaming voice chip. Like they're, they get 
they get pretty uh, indulgent with some of the uh, the things that you would do with a more corporate run superhuman group. Yeah. Um, but Norman is in charge, and Norman is not sane, and Songbird has access to Norman, and Songbird knows Norman's insane. Songbird replace or not Songbird, sorry, Moonstone. Moonstone knows all this. She replaces some of Norman's medication with placebos. She keeps doing things to mess with him psychologically, like hiding replicas of the Green Goblin mask in places, you know, just subtly suggesting things. And Norman goes off the deep end. He manages, they manage to cover things up, but you know, from the way things progress with uh, Hammer and eventually the culmination of Siege, you know, once yeah. once everybody saw Norman leading the charge at the climax of Secret Invasion, you know, oh man, he can do no wrong. This is why it always bothered me that uh, Barack Obama uh, became president in the Marvel Universe after that election and not Stephen Colbert, because it made more sense to me that Stephen Colbert as president would put someone like Norman Osborn in charge. But- Doesn't fit as well with somebody like Barack Obama, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel that tracks. But if, if you watch like the Colbert report, like, oh yeah. <laughs> the, the character of Stephen Colbert would totally believe that Norman is completely reformed and ready to be a devout public servant. <laughs> um, but yeah, things just degrade uh, under Osborne's reign. He takes more of a backseat approach, like an offhand thing to running the Thunderbolts. Like the team changes over and they become just a black ops group to take out various characters that Norman wants gone eventually that's the group that is sent in to cause problems with siege but then see that siege is a bigger problem and most of them rebel against osborne um after that we get the heroic age and that's where luke cage takes over and it's a prison work release program uh, a bunch of classic characters uh songbird mock five at this point fixer they're all brought back as actual good guys to run the prison uh, there's plenty of really interesting additions to the team at this point. Like they start using man thing as their transportation. Uh, this is, this is where ghost is brought back into it. He was part of Osborne's, but he was part of why Osborne's fell apart. He doesn't work in a system like that, but they, that story with Luke's Thunderbolts, it's got, we won't get into too much of it, but it's got lots of great twists and turns really satisfying conclusion even if they do change the title to dark avengers before the title finally finishes but it the title change doesn't interrupt things i will briefly mention however red hulk's thunderbolts i got suckered into buying it when it came out right after uh the previous title ended and i wasn't happy with it um it was just a team like ross put together a group of red colored characters to go and do various missions that fulfill personal vendettas for all the characters i don't know it felt just like oh we've got a character who's named thunderbolt he should be in charge of the thunderbolts i'm trying to sell those issues now i don't need them in my collection still (laughs) i even ghost rider being added to the team couldn't bring me in like I, I quit before then and I didn't pick it back up. I did pick it back up when uh, the Winter Soldier uh, started up his team, but that one only ran 12 issues. It was uh, a spinoff from Standoff and 
I didn't read standoffs, so the early issues of that run are kind of confusing. He's taken a bunch of the Thunderbolts, and they've got that Kobik, the little girl that they made out of a cosmic cube. I don't know. They're, they're trying to keep her safe. Yeah, I Avengers standoff just kind of came out of fucking nowhere, and it wasn't until well after that I even had any idea what the hell was going on with that story. It's it sounds interesting, but it it came out of nowhere. <clears throat> but, yeah. That brings us up to most of the uh, run of Thunderbolts. I think yeah, there's been a couple. Of, had been. It looks like there's been a Punisher uh, run that had uh, Zemo uh, bringing back uh, a bunch of uh, classic Thunderbolts. Uh, Mayor Fisk had a team of Thunderbolts. Uh, nobody rates there. Taskmaster, sure, he's cool, but. I guess that gives him legitimacy as a, a movie Thunderbolt. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's yeah. a good series all in all. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm but... still trying to collect through the entirety of it. I got. Yeah, I have to see if I can more to go find some find some of the uh, find some of the uh, series here and yeah, the uh, the heroic age uh, run is definitely a good place to jump on to. Um, same with uh, the beginning of Warren Ellis's run. Um, earlier than that, uh, stories tend to run together outside of the break that uh, Fight Bolts uh, provided. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how uh, the various trades may uh, work out for those ones. I know there's lots of trades for the, uh, the Warren Ellis run. Um, buddy of mine has, like, I think, the whole run in trade. Nice. Yeah. And... But yeah, they, if there's a lot more depth we could get into with Thunderbolts, but Again, there's a lot of really interesting uh, twists and turns with the writing throughout the various eras. And yeah, surprise yourself. Right. Read it, see what it's like. All right, I'll have to check that out. Except uh, Ross's Thunderbolts. That one just <laughs> sucks. All right. All right. Sounds good. Well, I think that'll be everything for now. So uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining this week and join us next time when we decide to do an episode. And don't forget to rate, view, subscribe to our podcast and uh, join us on Twitter at the Marvel Pod, Instagram, the Multiverse of Marvel, and uh, uh, yeah, and also the Multiverse of Marvel, wherever you get a podcast. And uh, do you guys have a Twitter, Instagram, or anything to plug? Hells no. No, which is probably the best way to go. But until uh, next time, uh, read some comics. Read lots of comics. Yes.